Hey, thanks for signing up for the Public Beta Podcast. It is April 9th, 2022, a Saturday morning, and it's been several, it's been, it's been several weeks since we last recorded. Reed. Yeah. And myself, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> you, you all right? <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought you were like, going to ask me a question as opposed to introduce me. Yeah. Hi, hello. <laughs> Uh, Reed just rolled over out of bed to play some. No, uh, no, Alien I've been, I've been, Predator. I've been like sick all week. Damn. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've, I've, we've been experiencing the full circle life over here uh, in my camp. So uh, uh, not only me and my wife expecting a player three, uh, we we lost a close cousin to the family on her side uh, in the last week. So we just been. It, for what is usually the quieter time of year, uh, with year end and stuff like that, it's been it's been a time, Reed. But we are back uh, here to talk about video games. It's crazy how much media can pass by uh, when we don't record. Um, yeah, kind of. Like, like how, what the fuck is like, that? When we go week to week, it's like, oh, there, here's the new one or two things from this week. When we don't record for three weeks, you realize that every week someone's filling that slot with something, and uh, something I've been filling my slot with recently is the uh disney plus moon Knight show yeah it's pretty good i like it it's not it's not bad uh i i ducked in and out of some of the other disney plus uh marvel offerings which i haven't really watched i haven't watched wandavision loki uh winter soldier etc you don't uh, need to hawkeye hawkeye <laughs> I jumped into and uh seemed okay uh it's based on uh, as i've mentioned a matt fraction hawkeye run of comic books uh from back when i was reading comic books still and they they borrowed a lot from it in terms of visuals and some of the plot devices, but otherwise it is an original thing, This that show. I thought that was okay. Of course, finished Daredevil Season 3, which stands alone as the best Marvel anything. Um, Hell yeah. In my opinion. And Moon Knight's good. Oscar Isaac is... Uh, he's acting his little ass off in that in that show. Oh, yeah. I think he's, it's, uh, he's, he's chewing the scenes. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's a tree. It's intriguing. Like, the, the, the plot is, is very simple. Who doesn't like Egyptian mythology, you know? Yep, it's a it's it's up there with uh, trains, dinosaurs, uh, things that everybody has a phase with uh, growing up. Egyptian <laughs> World <War> mythology, <laughs> yeah, World War Two. That's a little later in life, but uh, Egyptian <laughs> mythology is right up there because it's just so yeah. fucking interesting. Uh, but that show's doing all right. Other than that, uh, wrestling happened. Pro wrestling weekend last weekend. WrestleMania two days, uh, and then of course ROH ran a show. Samoa Joe. Is uh, now an ROH slash AEW. He's gonna be fighting fighting Minoru Suzuki next week on Wednesday. Jesus. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. It's fucking crazy. Uh, AEW now streams its shows on uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling's uh, service as well, uh, so Japanese fans can now watch those shows as part of their subscription service. Which so is, it's yeah, like in a weird Tony Khan has bought Ring of Honor and now he has a partnership with New Japan. Uh, yeah, like those are two two pretty pretty big fucking moves overall. It's just like those Mar- those Netflix Marvel shows now being on Disney Plus. It's like they're bringing it all yeah. under one roof. And are we nine months away from a crossover show? Like maybe. It's uh, it's exciting times in wrestling and insane that Samojo was fired twice by WWE. It's <laughs> fucking that's fucking crazy. That being said, WrestleMania. Did you check out any of it? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Just the Cody memes. That's uh, that's all we. Yeah, I, I like I read reports online and stuff like that, but I was mostly playing video games and watching movies at the time. So, uh, Big Dave Meltzer apparently gave uh, the Cody Seth match like a, a did not rate or something in his newsletter report, and people were fucking pissed. Uh, so interestingly, the people who say Dave Meltzer is is uh, a piece of shit and his star ratings don't mean anything are the exact same people that are upset. When the star rating doesn't go their way or something is not rated. How curious that. Uh, and then Tony Khan blowing up the internet yesterday saying, uh, hey, I own an analytics company. And uh, there's major money being spent on anti-AEW campaigns on social media. And everybody called him a shithead uh, for saying that. So, it's uh, just, just like, Tony, even if you know that, like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, it's just like such a, like... You should, like it just—it's one of those situations where, like, even if you're right, you should be above just like this weird, like, defensive shit you're doing. I don't know. I thought it was—I didn't think it was like bad or anything necessarily. I no. do think it's like strange, incredibly well, it's, strange. So he—it's not over. Like he's digging deeper into that, <laughs> and what? So there's bots uh, that are basically just retweet accounts uh, that are just just circulating anti AEW like re- rhetoric, whatever. 
uh, bots exist. Uh, deal with it. It exists in every industry. Right, but yeah, that yeah, yeah. that deals with like everything though. Like you can't escape it. Like individual no. WWE superstars experience the same thing because so the, of weird fans. The thing though is, uh, having done some advertising on social media myself, the scope of such a campaign on something like Twitter could be costing whomever is doing it millions of dollars. And that's the interesting part, is that here we have a company that wants to ex- wants to believe you don't exist, and yet they have poached uh, one of your top talents, one of your fucking CEOs or whatever. They are spending millions of dollars in, like, slander campaigns uh, and pointing to you as a reason why they are not a monopoly uh, when it comes to their, their dealings. Uh, it's it's underhanded and greasy, and Tony just wants to, if he can, bring that to light, and that's okay. Like like fucking all is fair in love and war, right? Right. Like you should do that through like an interview with like a journalist or something. Like not that. just go like, on go Twitter on... and just start fucking <laughs> talking yeah, about be- it. Yeah, because it comes off like 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 he's like a like another wrestling Twitter person who's just yeah. like saying some shit without providing any proof of it. Right. It is. It is interesting though that. Like WWE could be spending more on anti AEW Twitter campaigns, which are the most expensive. Advertising on Twitter and getting a promoted tweet on on there is the most expensive advertising. Facebook being the cheapest, which is why it's a fucking cesspool of garbage. Um, and uh, that's interesting. That's you know some people in WWE aren't making that a year. Uh, what they are spending and just slandering another company, which they claim is is no competition to them. But I digress. I hope Cody is uh, is is banking that money for his family uh, because he went out there and just did a promo that was exact same promo he did in AEW, and he likes to make his wrestling persona very personal and talk about how he this is unscripted. I'm just shooting from the hip, brother, and uh, then uh, the fans dude, turn on him. Ch- he t- Cody's a fucking chode, man. Yeah, he, he takes <laughs> takes it so fucking personally. Uh, yeah, like get on, get on him for getting that money and like and getting his way to the top through every other means besides his actual fucking wrestling talent. Yeah, um, like you know, yes, he has a good promo and he's he's done things in the business to get himself to where he is today. And good on him for that. He's doesn't mean he's a, a good, lot of fuck- good matches. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't mean he's a good fucking wrestler. And uh, like everybody was already hating him in AEW anyway, so I don't know. It's Welcome. fucking insane. Like, what is the... Like, we could talk about... You can speculate to death, but, like, Roman Reigns is now the undisputed Universal WWE champion. He beat Brock Lesnar. He's the got uwu the... champion. Yeah, he's the uwu uwu champion. Uh, he's got both belts. And Roman Reigns has been on top of the fucking company for five fucking years. And if Cody Rhodes thinks he's the one that t- takes that belt off Roman and leads the company, he's... A, he, well... And then Lee, even if you get the belt, like it's the fucking wrestling podcast now. Even if you yeah. get the belt, look what happened to Big E. He lost like six of his seven title defenses, and, and then, then broke his neck. Fucking, uh, yeah, and then got his no. Then he got squashed by Brock or whatever, and then lost his belt. Big fucking whoop. And then everybody's like, "What a shit title reign." Yeah, and Kofi, that's what's gonna. Kofi Mania got kicked off the first night of WrestleMania to make room for fucking Bobby Lashley video packages. Uh, yeah, so they're going to give the belt to Cody. If they do give the world title to Cody, it's going to be for fucking, you know, six months until, like, a guy who's six foot five and 250 pounds comes around who Vince likes way more than Cody, and then Cody's going to start doing some DQ fucking, lo- like, losses to this guy because... Yeah, we're going to get Braun like, Breaker just, versus Cody Rhodes, and that's going to be the end of Cody Yeah, Rhodes. when was the last time Vince pushed a guy like Cody Rhodes over a guy like Roman Reigns or fucking any of these guys mad cat moss <laughs> <laughs> for example uh yeah yeah no it's uh i don't see it the only time would be like exa- like he he's not going to push anybody because the fans like him like aj styles got his push to the top based on his fucking wrestling ability and his ability to fucking main event pay-per-views and he made roman look really yes, good <laughs> he made anyone in the re- he was in the ring with look very good except for omos um and uh it's 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 insane uh, but on the other hand, AEW is so inundated with talent that you forget people like Jay Lethal are even around. Um, it's fucking nuts. I'm not not really. The last he was pretty prominent on the last episode of Dynamite because he challenged Joe, sure for the title. Uh, and he's Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal still a really really good promo. Absolutely, a lot of those guys yeah. are. It's uh it's insane. So anyway, that's enough wrestling. 
Uh, video games also just just full steam ahead through the last uh, quarter here. Uh, I have been playing the shit out of Elden Ring, and of course, me playing the shit out of Elden Ring and Reed playing the shit out of Elden Ring are two very different things. Uh, but last night uh, at around 11 p.m., <laughs> beat the God Devouring Serpent slash Serpent God Rikard 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 Rikard. Cool fight. Uh, there's a, there's a, a little hairy moment halfway through the second phase where the fucking skulls and stuff. So I gotta ask, it's a gimmick fight because you get that spear yeah. uh, that can basically spam fucking giant yes. wind lasers across the goddamn stage. Yeah. Uh, is there is there like a like a build requirement? Like if you're a mage type and you go into that fight, no. If so, as you know, if you just look at every weapon, you'll see its requirements and its scaling. The requirements will be a number that you must meet, and then the scaling is uh, a letter, yes. right? Uh, that weapon you're using has no requirements and no scaling. Oh, it's just heavy. It's just pretty heavy, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was a cool it. fight. Uh, I, I like the idea of killing yeah, an immortal god, uh, you know. I beat... Elden Ring like one and a half times the second playthrough is like a hundred times quicker than the first because you're selectively choosing what you're doing but um so a lot of this stuff is like kind of in the rear view mirror for me so I'm not remembering it as clearly as I should especially like Elden Ring has like some of the easier bosses in the series if we're being honest I mean besides some of the sure besides (laughs) some of the besides the gank bosses where they're just like oh here's like two or three crucible knights you're like okay um, but besides that, for the oh, for the most part, they're fairly easy. Such as Rygard, I thought I did it first try. Obviously, yeah. Um, I remember that fight for like the gimmick weapon, but I I wouldn't remember any of his specific phases. Like you're talking about, it would his be skulls extremely difficult like to do that fight without because he's he's surrounded by that lava pool. It'd be very difficult. Oh, people are gonna do it. Oh, of for course. Sure. But uh, yeah, it would be uh, yeah. My rapiers aren't aren't gonna fucking reach that motherfucker uh but co- volcano dual mount- rapiers yeah dual <laughs> bloody rapiers uh my my uh my build currently is like poise based and just like can i stand here and combo the shit out of you and even if i have to tank a hit but you're gonna have so much fucking blood proc on you that whatever you are is going to be if you bleed i'll kill you uh, <laughs> that's, uh it bleeds. and then i've got the uh i'm using godric's great axe still and that thing's like over 400 attack for me because uh, I've been pumping all my somber smithing stones into that. Um, oh man, that's rookie numbers. You gotta pump I that got up. I got to pump those up. Yeah, I keep I keep coming but across it, so that's, many. Cool... That's why I keep. Yeah. But Godric's great axe is just a basic strength slash quality build weapon. Yep. Like, there's no, <laughs> and this is why I keep saying these are unoptimal because you compare that to a weapon that scales off faith or intelligence along with those stats. And at end game, I have weapons that are doing over nine hundred damage. Over nine hundred, which is like, uh, yes. yeah. So the, that's the thing I, I actually need to go back and do now is I wanted to upgrade my rapier build uh, to a great rapier build, and I've got two great rapiers now. I just need to uh, do that. I need to like I have all the smithing stone bells or whatever. For, this is this is deep yeah. Elden Ring. For, if skip ahead five minutes if you don't want to hear it, uh, but you get all the bell bearings. You give them to the merchant in the round table, and then you can basically buy infinite smithing stones. Uh, so I've I've no reason to not actually go redo that build. I haven't beaten. I'm waiting to give the uh, spoilers for the side quest. Uh, I'm going to give the potion to the dung eater and uh, send him to uh, Selvius. I want to actually do. I've I've waited this long, so I'm going to do that. But until I do that, I can't go beat uh, the the moon lady. Uh, and the issue there is, is I can't respect. Uh, until I do that, so I'm kind of hampered, having kind of useless mm. stats at the moment. Uh, so I can't really min max yet. So I've been kind of just blunt forcing my way. What level are you? Uh, I'm level 115. <laughs> oh damn, yeah. son! Like yeah, you can. Yeah, you're definitely good enough level to at least get to the end areas. But the fine, the hardest boss in the game will really give you a run for your money. I, I've encountered maybe not, only maybe not so much with bleed. Yeah, I've I've encountered one boss that I just like. I'm I'm coming back to this later when I have uh, some other tools uh, that I know that I know is waiting for me. And that's the uh, in that one hero's grave, the Crucible Knight and that other dude. Uh, they just like my health bars most of the way across the screen, and man, those guys just trash you. Uh, so I'm gonna just gang fight them with the shield shield soldiers once I get that ash. And uh, I, I I'm not spoiling like I'm not I'm not intentionally looking things up, uh, but through through word of mouth. So like my brother in law he beat Elden Ring in the first weekend like you did you fucking lunatics, and uh, 
so he's just he's giving me pointers. I'm like, oh man, I I I can deal the damage, but I just need like I'm I'm using ashes just basically to tank hits for myself to make it easier on myself. I don't care, uh, uh you know. So my whole thing is in doing that, my timing has been better than ever in in any Souls game I've ever played, including Bloodborne, which is the other game I played the most of. And that when I encounter an enemy, regardless of its move set. I'm getting really good at at gauging those those timing windows of dodges and stuff like that, and keeping myself uh, in in the range of of the medium load, so I can get those those good dodges in. Um, and uh, you just you you're like, oh man, I feel like if I did, not that it's not legit to use summon ashes and stuff like that, but I'm like, man, I, I'm better at this than I've ever been, but I'm also over leveled. And trying to to min max it so I have every advantage possible. So anytime a random enemy gets a combo on you and takes half your health bar out, it's legitimately frustrating because you're like, what gives you what gives you the right to do this? <laughs> those fucking snake dudes I in the volcano monitor? man? <laughs> Jesus, yeah, yeah. Anyway, good fucking yeah, game, Elden Ring. Yeah, good. yeah. It's, it's a it's a it's a great big video game. I think. It's gonna be hard to beat that for as far as when game of the year comes around. Um, it's it's a hard game to top. The sense of adventure. So there's something that you can't that that Souls game have Souls games have that very few other games have, including Bethesda games, which would be maybe the closest. And that is, there's a stat that isn't tracked, and it's your own knowledge of the area you are trying to conquer. So when you get to Volcano Manor, you're like, look at the size of this. Look at this, the verticality, look at the size of this area to explore, and then all you got to do is you start turning over every rock. You go over here, okay, that's a dead end, there's no there's no platforms below, oh, there's a bridge I need to extend, cool. Let's jump across the uh, the rooftops here and get all the items, uh, let's see what kind of enemies we're dealing with, okay, that guy's hit, hiding there, and you just kind of start canvassing the area, and just just based on the fact that you don't have a local map or, or a compass or something in that game, you're you're kind of visually taking it in. And uh, th- that's kind of unique to Souls games. There's not many other games I can think of where I'm putting in time in this area to learn the area. And when I've, I've successfully canvassed it or I'm satisfied, I've gotten that item. You know, the most satisfying things in Souls games is you see an item sitting somewhere high up. And you've been exploring the area for two hours. And you're like, how the fuck do I get? And then finally, you find the door or you yeah. find the cliff or whatever where you get to that area and get that item. And you're like, yes. And the item shit most of the time. Uh, but it doesn't matter because you got it, and now you don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, yep, I love that. Yeah. So when I was in that lava hero's grave, for example, and I remember you saying like, "Oh, there's a there's a bloodhound knight, and you get two sets of armor," and I'm I've beaten the boss of that area, and I've I've seemingly done everything I can in the area. I'm like, "There's that one ledge I kept missing. I got to go down there again." So I go there, and you wrap around. And you're like, "Oh, there's nothing. There's nothing here." And then you see that secret passage in the middle. There's that knight. There's those two sets of armor. And it's so fucking satisfying, but also something that if, <laughs> if I didn't have the prerequisite knowledge of you telling me that, I probably would have given up on that area because I've beaten the boss. I've gone to every corner that I knew of, uh, but that's souls for you is like, if there's doubt, go check it out. That's it, it didn't mean to rhyme there, but I did all the same. Uh, but that those areas are so fucking frustrating because uh, you're getting one like you can walk on lava, <laughs> but you're getting one shot of these fucking t- chariots. Even if you attack the chariot, you die. Um, and there was another one where you actually kill the chariots and you can freely explore. That felt good. The lava one? No. Those chariots are on your fucking ass uh, the whole time. Yeah, you gotta hop on top and take it for yeah, a ride. and I had the pleasure of having my wife, uh, like, kind of backseating me. Uh, that is backseat gaming, not uh, <laughs> something else, uh, while I was doing that dungeon. So she's sitting there, like, laughing as these, like, the, that skeleton jumps out of that hole and is doing that, like, the spiral move that the skeletons do. Uh, yeah. She found that funny every time. And let me tell you, we saw that skeleton 36 times. Um, Elden, Elden Ring. <laughs> Reed, what else have you been playing? Um, so I've been playing a lot of Final Fantasy twelve <laughs> again for some reason. Um, I'm, like, skipping all the cutscenes and shit because I don't give a fuck. Uh, but I'm playing it on PC because better frame rate, all that shit. And I'm also able to mod it in a specific oh, way where mod. I can at least, yeah, zero close mod. Yeah, see that uh, that Vaughn yeah, dick, Balthier's um, dick. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like mods to make all of the chests in the game actually spawn 100 percent of the time. Because if you know anything about Final Fantasy 12, the end game grind is very long and very tedious to get all of the best equipment in the game there's one specific area in the game 
that a lot of the best stuff spawns in, but the chests only spawn about 20% of the time as you enter the area, and then only has a 5% chance of actually containing an item, and you need to have a specific item equipped for that item to be one of the rare items that you need. So it equals out to, like, some chests only have, like, a 0.01% chance of having the shit that you need. What the need. fuck were they thinking um, doing that in a PvE game? Like, I have no fuck, dude, I cannot tell you. So, like, I have a specific mod that just makes it so, like, the, the spawn rate of the chest is still the same, but it has a 1 in 4 chance of holding the item that you want. <laughs> so, like, okay, okay, that's fucking reasonable. It's reasonable. And Why not just other make items 100%? The, besides shit, Lee, there's three weapon... Yeah. There's three weapons in the game that people refer to as the dev weapons because they're all invisible, but they have, like, twice the amount of damage of any other best weapon in the game. You mean they are literally like, invisible ridiculous. in the player's hands? Yes, like, they don't look like anything. So, like, the best weapon in the game, for example, is called the Sagittarius Bow. Sagittarius? It's, like, it's weird spelling. Sagittarius, maybe? Yeah. Zodiac. But you have to go onto, an, like, an, like a, an airship what are they fucking called from airships yeah Final Fantasy like, i played all yeah. the Final fantasies and i don't remember this shit um you're skipping the you cuts go into so. an airship ride <laughs> from yeah from from any uh from any airspace to any airspace doesn't matter but you have to go into the deck and this one is the most ridiculous it's one of the most ridiculous chest rates but it's like like a five percent chance that the chest will actually spawn there and then a 1% chance that it'll actually contain the Sagittarius bow. Sagittarius, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, like, and people, like, need to use RNG manipulation to make sure that it actually spawns. And people do this through, like, a certain amount of paces and entering and exiting at certain Excellent. times. And specifically, when, an, when a child NPC on the left-hand side of the screen <laughs> puts up his hands in the air... <laughs> That's when you need to activate the chest. Also, the chest is invisible. Sure. So you can't see it. You have to physically walk up to it to see if it's there. Um, Weird that they left that in so the game, ridic- though. No, but these, no, they, they intentionally did this as like kind of like, oh, this is so ridiculous. We don't think anybody will ever discover this. But if they do, good on them. And like the, this, the chances that it will actually contain this bow is so small. Um, but somebody online, obviously, like like any video figured game, somebody online is yeah is gonna figure it out, and they did, and then they figured out the RNG manipulation, so you can actually get like six uh, there's of a them. Current, not to go back to Elden Ring, uh, I don't know if you follow the speedrunning community of Elden Ring, <laughs> but it's so fascinating because they're updating the game as people are finding new strats. But there's so many people playing Elden Ring that they're finding stuff at such an alarming rate. Currently, the any percent run strategy is you. Find a way to drip, like in a certain place to drip through the the geometry and like fling your character, and you do it in such a way that the final boss, like pr- like sees you and jumps off a cliff and drowns, and like you can beat the game what in the minutes. <laughs> but, and then apparently, uh, Rodan or whatever that fight when he does his comet attack at like fifty percent health, people are like, oh, you, you like fuck fuck this. By the way, they patched the game so that he was easier and now he's harder again. Uh, when he does his comet attack, you run to the shore, and he comet attacks right into the ocean and dies. So people are just doing this shit now. It's fucking amazing. I was going to say with Final Fantasy XII, though, is that famously, from launch, uh, the Zodiac Spear was an item that we've talked about before on this podcast, but that you had to not open... They fix that. Not open certain chests to... Yeah, in the original in the original PS2 yeah. version, in order to get the best weapon in that particular game, which is the Zodiac Spear, based purely on damage, there's four specific chests that you cannot open. Three of uh, two of them are in very specific story areas that you cannot revisit, and then one of them is outside Old Dallin's place, which is a place you visit multiple times in the story, and then one of them's um, in like a combat area, kind of in the regular overworld. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing in the game telling you this or anything yeah. like that. And it gets even stupider because you can get the Zodiac Spear before you even visit the fourth chest. Like, so you kind of, like, left scratching your head. But, like, it, it was cool in a way because you could get the Zodiac Spear uh, very easily because it's if you don't open those chests, it's a guaranteed yeah. spawn from this particular area. And it, as long as you... You have the strats down, you have the gambits, and you know what you're doing to beat specific bosses early. And this is why I love about Final Fantasy XII is that 
you can access late game areas very early. Um, so it's in an area called Nicole of Nobidus, and the only way to get there is basically by beating a boss who they put up as like a wall is like, you probably won't be able to beat this boss, but if you do, you're rewarded by going to these end game areas full of incredibly difficult monsters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to beat this King Bomb boss and you have to use very specific strats to do it because it will heal itself to full health <laughs> all of the fucking time. It's constantly applying oil to you and hitting you with fire So you have to use, um, you have to constantly keep applying like silence to it and make sure you're not getting stopped and stuff like that. Um, but that, that's in general why I love Final Fantasy Twelve. One of the most unique things about it is playing a level one to three playthrough and never leveling up and beating the whole game like that, but I digress. <laughs> um, if you're able to beat that boss, you can go through the Nicole Nabitus. It's incredibly difficult, and you'll probably die a lot just trying to get to the Zodiac Spear. But if you make it there, it's a guaranteed spawn rate because you didn't open those chests, and you can just pick it up and stupid. boom, it's there. I mean, that all started in... In, as yeah, far as it, I know, Final Fantasy IX had the Excalibur II. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. Uh, basically, there's a ultimate weapon for Steiner, and it's the strongest weapon in the game. Scott Steiner, that is. Uh, Adelbert Steiner, I believe yeah. is his name. And you have to get to a certain point in the game in a certain amount of hours. You have to like you have to sprint, basically. Like You have to intentionally skip a lot of other content in the game just to get to this point in the game fast enough, which coincidentally locks you out of a lot of the previous content because you just have to, you, you don't have time. And all you get for it is, yeah, you get the ultimate weapon, but it, it's an interesting, because this is like discs into the game. This isn't in the first disc or something like that. This is like, you've already been playing the game for, for 18 hours, whatever it is, uh, to get, it's, it's pretty, so, someone was having a laugh over at Square when they were making those fucking games. Yeah, like, I, I I, I, don't disagree. Like, you could get a second Zodiac Spear in the original PS2, but the means of getting it were ludicrous. Um, in the Henny Mines, which are uh, the <laughs> second phase of it, Final which is pretty much... podcast anyone's ever heard. Yeah, what, which is, like, a very end-game level. Uh, like, this is where you go to get the final Esper in the game, for example. But um, there was, a like a 1% chance that the chest would actually spawn and then like another 1% chance or something ridiculous that it would, or a 10% chance it would contain a treasure and then out of that 10% chance there's a 1% chance that it would contain the Zodiac gotcha. Spear to get a second one. And people would do like the most ridiculous, like you needed like a Japanese PS2 playing the NTSC version. <laughs> you would take like 20 <laughs> steps forward exactly before turning right and it would like make the chest spawn every time. It was ridiculous. Thankfully, with the Zodiac Age, they fixed all of this shit. Um, you can get all of these weapons just through um, good old-fashioned farming by, you know, reloading areas until their chests spawn and keep yeah, going Yeah, good old-fashioned chest spam uh, fucking farming in a PvE game. That's so fucking crazy to me that there's like a... Well, and then a lot of the weapons are locked behind uh, the bazaar in FF12, which are selling specific loot sure. that you get from monsters. Um, so a lot of it is like that, too, as well. Um, so that's I just realized that we're, we're like, like criticizing this, but really what you're describing is Pokemon. You go into an area and you have to farm for a certain amount of time just to get a Pokemon to spawn. Never mind the legendaries that spawn once and run away. Really. Yeah, or the nature that you want. Or yeah, the really, we are, that you the want. joke's on us because we've been doing this for fucking ever. It's not just Final Fantasy 14 or 12. Well, and like I said, if you know what you're doing, if you it's know not what you're too doing. bad. Especially <laughs> Wait for the you... kid's hands to be up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Open the invisible chest. Um, and it's all it's it's all a means, basically, to take on the super bosses of the game. And FF12 has them in spades as opposed to the other Final Fantasy. There's at least three of them. There's the Hellworm, which has, like, 8 million HP, and he's not, like, too difficult. Uh, there's Omega Mark 13, which is in uh, the Great Crystal, which is this mapless maze of confusion uh, in the game, which is really fun. Uh, and then there's, of course, the infamous Yzimat, which is the last hunt in the entire game. Um, and he has something ridiculous, like 160 million HP, uh, like some people, if your gambits are not optimized and you're not using very specific gear and strategies, such as like a berserk bravery combo on uh, on a person with Genji gloves and the Murasame, 
Um, so they're like doing 20 hit combos every time. Um, if you're not doing shit like that, the fight can take you six hours yeah, and take yeah. you eight hours. It's like a raid boss. It's like a raid boss in MMOs. It's like they it's took ridiculous. the wrong, the wrong, uh, they took like Final Fantasy 11 and they were like, what, what can we pull from this and put in the PVE game? It's just like hours long boss fights. And it's like, sure. Yeah. Well, no, like I said, if you don't know what you're doing, that's what it is. That Interesting that you bring up like the Elder Ring speedrunning community. Not nearly to the same degree, but back in the day, I remember when Final Fantasy XII first came out and in the budding days of YouTube, like there was a lot of people trying to beat Yuzumet as far as fast as they could and stuff. And people have got down to like 30 minutes, I think. Like pretty pretty quick yeah. stuff overall, as long as you're going at like four times speed, of yeah. course. And that's the other great thing uh, about Zodiac Age is at four times speed, baby. I really like... Uh, uh, on PC... Yeah. Runs even better. What? I was gonna say speed running in JRPGs when it's just like if if it's get to the end as quickly as possible, so you're keeping your character levels relatively low, so everything has to be optimal, and there's a certain amount of RNG with the boss fights being like, oh, there's a chance we can wipe here, but if everything goes according to plan with the items we have and the and the specific equipment we have, think like sh- shit, it's pretty interesting uh, compared to something that's strictly skill based. You know what I mean? Like like. Even Pokemon speedruns, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah, and that's what I love about Final Fantasy twelve, especially, is because it's not typical combat. You set the parameters, and you you're the one creating what the AI in the game does, essentially, for your team. And you watch them execute your plan. Essentially, it's a it's a nice lot. Plan. It's a lot more like an RTS than it is a sure. JRPG in that sense. It, it's that satisfaction of like you feel like the general giving out the orders and those orders are executed and when the plan goes off though to hitch it feels very satisfying so like going into a boss that you know utilizes like sap and disable and equipping specific accessories to be immune to disable and then setting parameters so that one character uses decoy to always draw all the attacks on them. And while they're getting decoyed, your other character is only literally spamming cure on them. So they're constantly bringing health to them. Then the other third character is your DPS and doing all their damage because they're going to be going unnoticed because that other person is drawing all the aggro. On top of that, you have spells that can double the aggro person's health so they're even more tankier. Um, like shit, like like unique solutions to difficult problems is what makes Final Fantasy twelve so, uh, so cool. Like like I said, if you want to do maximum damage, you you equip somebody with a katana, which has the highest combo rates in the game. You give them the Genji gloves, which doubles their combo rates. You give them bravery, which doubles their attack, and then you give them permanent berserk, so they do three times damage. And then they just start walloping on a boss for 30-hit combos for, like, 100,000 damage, which is nothing. Uh, Yeah, and once you unlock those strategies, it feels incredibly satisfying that you got to that that thing. It's it's, it's a game for people that love progression, especially because, like, the license point system and stuff. There's other weird things I never noticed until this playthrough they added for this version, which is just an option straight up to give you unlim- uh, maximum gill or maximum <laughs> the, LP if you want it. <laughs> yes, you're like if if you're just like fucking sick of it, I guess, and like, you've been playing this is like your eighth playthrough and you don't want to do that shit, they'll just like alright, fuck it, here, take this. I think it disables sure. trophies if you select those, um, which is like a fair trade-off probably. Not that I used it because I don't think it's necessary. You have plenty of LP and gill in the game. Um, so those are neat options. So yeah, I've been playing that off stream. What I've been playing on my stream slash my YouTube lately, I think I talked about Del May Cry yeah. 5. I played that. Yeah, I played that before. Um, but recently I've been playing um, the Aliens vs. Sure. Predator 2010 Sega game. <laughs> Twelve years old, yeah. Which it, which was like, yeah, which was like ten dollars, and I was like, well, you know what? I've watched all of the Alien movies. I watched all of the Predator movies lately. I watched left? all of the Alien vs. Yeah, Predator yeah, yeah, movies sure. lately. Prometheus. <laughs> yeah, I watched all of them. Um, so I'm like, fuck it, I'll I'll give this a shot and see what happens. And it's like for ten bucks, it's a it's a fun little unique game um so there's three campaigns in it there's the marine campaign there's the alien campaign and there's the predator campaign uh, i've not yet played the predator but i have played the marine and human uh alien one sorry they're both up on my youtube if you want to check that out um but it's it's like 
it's not the worst. There's definitely some cool things they did, and then like some generic things they did, of course, for the time. Um, it was really awesome to hear Lance Henriksen lend his voice into mm-hmm. this role. They don't fuck around as far as the story goes, which is mostly a positive. Like they don't like they're not like oh you're not here to fucking learn like you like Waylon Utani politics or any of this shit. Like you just open and you're like you're a bunch of Marines that crash on this that are protecting like Waylon Utani shit on this planet. But then a bunch of aliens break free and then predators come down because they want to hunt the aliens. That's a fucking game. story. Yeah. So yeah, so like the Marine campaign. Uh, opens and it's not like it's pretty unique at least for the first cup like the first i don't know third of it they're running around in very dark hallways with nothing but a pistol um lots of lots of spooky moments kind of there's like the odd alien or two uh one really cool set piece that i enjoyed a lot was like you're kind of like a marine barracks and they have like their own you know kind of like strip club bar thing uh, so you go there and there's like really loud thumping music, but all the lights are malfunction. All the lights and, holog- and holograms are like malfunctioning, so they're like phasing in and out. And then like while you're on the top floor trying to open an elevator, a bunch of aliens start coming out for the first time, like your first real horde. While this like hard music is pumping and you get all these strobe lights going on, and I thought that was really like interesting, uh, especially for like you know an alien game, someone who's played lots of aliens, fire team elite, or seen lots of gameplay of isolation. This was kind of like a unique way to introduce the terror of the alien, and I really liked it. Overall, in the marine campaign, you're fighting fucking nothing but aliens. Like, uh, it's it's fucking. It might as well just been like the aliens campaign, but you're just a fucking marine. Um. You're going around, you know, you get all the classics. You got your pulse rifles, you got your flamethrowers, your smart guns. Uh, you can use them in different intervals. Sometimes you run into other Marines and they hang out with you, but not really much. As far as the actual gameplay loop is concerned, it's mostly just like you have a few different choices of weapons per level and you're mostly just blasting aliens as they're crawling out of walls. There's wave defenses and stuff like that. Um, you fight a single predator and it's like, it's totally fucking out of left field. Like you just spawn into a level and they're like, oh, there's a predator out there. They Watch know out. What it is. And yep. then like Yeah, and then like ten or fifteen minutes later, like you fight it. Uh and it's just like a it's kinda like a cat and mouse thing where he just goes on top of roofs and invisible. You have to see where he's aiming with his chest la- with his shoulder mounted laser. Um then you shoot him a few times till so he drops onto the ground and then you shoot him more <laughs> and then he's dead. Uh and then you have to fight one of the what the I would say the best part of the Marine campaign was when you fight the alien queen it's not really you're fighting the alien queen you're mostly like you're in that kind of classic aliens ending setting where it's an alien queen with a bunch of eggs in front of her um and you're flipping switches while a bunch of aliens are attacking you and you're trying to like blow up all the eggs with a flamethrower and it gets like really 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 tense as these eggs are exploding with fire and there's a bunch of aliens chasing after you and eventually you know kill the alien queen uh, the game ends with, like, you having to kill two giant alien queen things that are actually running at you, and you get a bunch of smart guns and grenades and stuff, and that's all fine. That's all good. Then you kill uh, fucking Wayland himself, but he's an android, so you don't really know if it's the real Wayland or not. And that's pretty much just the Marine campaign. It's pretty standard first-person shooter stuff that had a really interesting horror-ish opening which I wish they kind of did something more with, but I'm man, you know it's another game that has that from that that you ever played. I've talked about it before. One of my hidden treasures uh, from that era was Singularity. Yeah, I've I've seen like gameplay. Like, it's so I know fucking cool, it man. It starts like in that kind of monstery horror way, and then by the end of it, it's basically Wolfenstein. Um, really, really good yeah. fucking game. Uh, uh, yeah. So after that. <laughs> So after that was the Alien yeah. campaign, which is a lot shorter. It was about half the time. But it was a lot more um, interesting. There's not a lot of games out there where you play the monster that's stalking, like, the people. Um, like, everybody being terrified of you as you're crawling up the walls in invisible areas and jumping down and butting through their head. Or you, like, forcibly grab their face so that a face hugger comes and grabs them as, like, everybody else is, like, shit scared being like, where the fuck is it? I hear it. Blah, 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 blah. Um, 
you know, you're running through tall grass and leaping at people with your tail and stabbing them through the gut. You can tell this is where a lot of the love and care went into the game because there's like so many different executions for the alien as far as how they kill people. Uh, the mechanics for it were more or less like pretty smooth. You kind of just hold a button if you want to scale walls or you can jump directly to areas that you're seeing. Uh, it does get a little discombobulating when like, you know, you can walk in four dimensions, right? So uh, four, sometimes you get four a dimensions, confused, especially with that. Or whatever you want to call it. You can, <laughs> you can scale any wall. Uh, especially with some of the more repetitive hallways in the game. It has that 2010 everything is brown aesthetic sure. sort of thing. Good um, old days. So you'll find yourself kind of, yeah, you'll find yourself a little bit confused of where you are in certain moments. Um, in that, you fight two predators instead of one, uh, which is kind of neat. Um, but it's a lot harder than the marines and it's not nearly as fun because you kind of can only get in a couple hits and you have to run away and it's just repeating that process over and over so the alien was not designed around having a fight with the predator it's like they made this alien level and they're like oh shit you don't even fight a predator uh i guess we'll just put that in and it, I, I guess it works out <laughs> so the one i have to do left is the Predator campaign, and by all accounts, this is what the game was mostly made for, from what I'm hearing online. It's apparently longer than even the Marine campaign. You have you know twice as many gadgets and stuff to play with, invisibility, throwing stars, spears, the claw hooks, uh, like the nets, like all this crazy shit. You can rip people's skulls out of their fucking body with their spine and all that classic Predator stuff. So I'm very much looking forward to it because, like I said, everybody says that this is this is clearly what the most love and care was put into was the Predator campaign, which is going to be kind of odd because the game was mostly an alien slash marine colonial marine kind of game. But uh, yeah, yeah game looking forward to it. Finishing that up, be, you know, that should be fun. He's he's got a lot. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and then uh, then I don't know what I'm going to play after that. But I guess I've also you huh. and me yeah. got together. Uh, but I've been playing Tiny Tina's sure. Wonderlands with my partner yeah. at home. Uh, and there's not much to say about it. It's more Borderlands. Yep. Sure um, fucking is. They have, they, have a unique, yeah, they have a unique spin on the class system in this way that you can, first of all, customize how your character looks appearance-wise, which is a nice change of pace. Good character uh, creator. Not bad. And the actual class... Yeah, the actual character customization as far as classes and stuff goes, very unique for Borderlands. You can choose one, and then you, uh, you spec into a second one halfway through the game or so. Um, and they can mix and match with each other in various ways. Uh, the spell system, I think, is a lot more cool than grenades. They're all very unique. They cool do cool different things. Um, you got stats that you put into that affect all your things in small, significant ways. And yeah, it's it's a it's a neat little package. If you like Borderlands, you'll like this. If you don't like Borderlands, you probably won't like this. <laughs> There's a, it's not, not much to fans. say. Yeah, so like the the writing and stuff like that is is just par for the course. We'll just leave it at that. I I was the only, the thing that I was mainly disappointed in was uh, the settings are more fantasy based uh, to the to the point. Well, yeah, exactly. To game. the point where like the the overworld map is like there's a river of soda. And like it's it's kind of like you know it's fine the the visually there it it sort of makes sense until uh, you get into the actual gameplay and you just start picking up guns and uh, Tina herself is just like it's it, there's guns They're like that's fine uh, but aesthetically you take away the grenades and you give yourself a magic wand uh, that does all these cool effects magic effects the game starts you with like an axe and gives you a, a like a crossbow gun and I'm like man I wish they I I understand this is like a spinoff but it is a full price game that they would have given the care to try to not just let you pick up an SMG five minutes later, like to actually try to reimagine all those different gun classes and stuff. As, and they do some of it. You, you get guns that like you sprinkle crystals into and shoot ice bolts and stuff like that. But I wish they would have really kept that like all game long and not just give you traditional fucking like Call of Duty ass guns uh, in this game. But that being said, I digress. Uh, there's so much loot. There's almost too much loot. Uh, the UI and stuff like that in the menus. I mean, it's more or less what I remember from Borderlands 3, but it could be better. Yeah. Uh, but this is also coming off of Elden Ring, where you, you don't have a compare button when you're in your fucking inventory, which is maybe Elden, maybe why <laughs> Elden Ring isn't a 10. If anything, I've taken off a whole point for that shit. Yeah, ju yeah. 
it just inconvenience. Yeah, because you get so much fucking gear, and you're you're constantly, especially if you're looking at your like sort box in Elden Ring, you have to keep like pushing Y or whatever it is that you're using uh, to go back and forth and check weapons and stuff like that. That's crazy. But uh, Wonderlands is fine. Uh, like you said, there's there's some enhancements to the class system in there. Uh, the writing is what it is. Uh, the the loot and stuff like that's all. It's it's exactly Borderlands, more Borderlands, but in high fantasy settings, stomping on skeletons, uh, and they. Yeah, much like the pre-sequel was to Borderlands 2, Wonderlands is to yeah, Borderlands it's not 3. The, uh, it's not the jump forward, uh, and I, I think they, not no. lazy, uh, but I wish they would have used that aesthetic more. I wish they would have uh, more given you more options for not just melee weapons, but maybe g- gun weapons that function like melee, have throwing knives, have uh, more bows, more crossbows, more takes on guns or cannons and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Just, just keep it... Yeah, because yeah, it's really like five minutes into the game, you're using this crossbow thing, and you're like, "This is kind of cool." The all fire like fires more bolts or whatever. The, you could you could extrapolate this into a game full of, of guns and projectiles based on kind of evilly more D and D settings, and then uh, s- seconds later you get like a straight up SMG with a banana mag, and uh, Tina's just like, "Yeah, there's there's guns," and you're like, "All right, well, I, I don't know what I expected. I, I obviously they have to have this, but." That was the only thing that rubbed me really the wrong way, that I wasn't expecting. I was expecting them to stick more with the aesthetic. Uh, speaking of aesthetics, let me talk very briefly, because I've only played it briefly, on Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origins. Chaos. Oh my god, chaos. Um, everything you've heard about this game is true, uh, in terms of the story, and how it's structured, and how it <laughs> jumps back and forth, and how you see any twist of this game coming because they're just give they they can't help themselves but let Ghost Sephiroth show up uh, kind of thing. So like the game, the opening cinematic of the game, you see a character carrying out this princess from this castle, murdering uh, soldiers, and then seconds later you're playing as Jack Garland, by the way, uh, and he he has that same ability. It's just like oh, it was him. Okay, well I I see where this is all going. Uh, he's got amnesia. He's hanging out with people who have plaid shirts tied around their waists. The voice acting and the dialogue is fucking atrocious. Uh, basically, what you have here is the retelling of Final Fantasy One, uh, where hey, someone's got to got to someone's got to whoop evil's ass. Uh, so these assholes come to town. They don't know why they're there other than they have to whoop evil. No, it's the prequel sure, to Final Fantasy One. If you want to think of it that way, uh, you get there. The the king regent no, or is. whatever is like, <laughs> hey, uh, lots of people have come and have claimed to be strong enough to do this so you're gonna have to prove yourself you're gonna have to go kill three monsters seconds later you're on a boat uh you've already killed the three monsters off screen uh there's no gameplay just just a reference that we've done this already and jack's complaining that they aren't fighting the real enemy in chaos uh you get back and they're like okay now you can go to the early uh, level uh dungeon um it kind of has an overworld map like neo did in terms of gameplay it plays a lot like neo did except there's a system where you have two different blocks uh, you have like a soul block and a regular block. The soul block, uh, if you time it correctly, uh, which, and they're very lenient, especially compared to like Elden Ring's parries and stuff like that, uh, it, it replenishes your MP, essentially. And then also if the enemy is using a skill that you can steal, uh, when you do that soul block, you like obtain it. So a goblin throws a rock at you, you soul block it, you get your MP back, and you also get the goblin throw ability uh, for a little bit. So you have like expendable magic spells on top of having, of course, a litany of gear, lots of loot in this game. Uh, the fashion maybe is is a real reason for you to check it out at some point. The gameplay's fine. Like it, it the in terms of like hack and slash gameplay, you know, if you're expecting character action, not quite. Uh, more more to the neo side of things, but if you're looking for something a little more fast paced than say Souls, something that's less deliberate, something that's very lenient on parries, uh, and you like Final Fantasy, and you like to see fucking Jim uh, Bro give Tonberries a torture rack, uh, then maybe Stranger of Paradise is for you. Um, there's a job system. There's advanced job system. Uh, you get all the cool abilities. Obviously, you can get Dragoon and stuff like that and do the jump abilities and Dark Knight and Paladin and all that shit's in there. Um, you can, uh, you have your party members, of course, that you can assign jobs to. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of moving loot around, a lot of, uh, you know, having different outfits for different jobs, constantly picking up new things that are slightly better and swapping them out. It's that kind of game. Uh, but I've barely scratched the surface of that game. I can't take on such a game when Elden Ring is looming, and I just want to want to finish it. Uh, so, other than that, I have one more game to talk about. It's called Tunic. Uh, this game came out on Game Pass. I think it's kind of available everywhere else, and it is a game that's been long in development. I don't think it's like five, six years. You play as a little fox. Uh, it's an isometric game. 
at first glance, uh, this looks like a Zelda game, but it maybe has more in common with, and I hate to compare it, but a Souls game. Uh, but really what it is, is a big puzzle box. Uh, the game uh, has a like hieroglyph language in it that you cannot decipher. You later learn how to kind of understand it. And then you're picking up pieces of like an old video game manual uh, that, are, that are gorgeous. Uh, like they are painstakingly created in the game. And all these manual pieces do are literally tell you about the mechanics of the game. The game doesn't tell you how to do anything. Uh, this includes when you're at a save point that functions more or less like bonfires in a Souls game. Uh, it put, you push A, you rest, you save your game, all the enemies respawn. Got it, good. What it doesn't tell you is that if you push the left bumper, that's how you level up in the game. And you don't know this uh, unless you just randomly push it or happen to find this manual piece that basically alludes to, hey, when you're at a save point, push LB. It's not telling you this, it's showing you in pictures and like a rendering of an old school game manual that you should maybe try to do this. And then you're like, well, holy fuck, I've played this game for three hours and didn't know I could level up. Uh, it's that kind of game. Uh, it's the kind of game that teaches you how the dodge roll mechanic works when you are inv invincible based on a manual page you pick up. Uh, you can completely walk past items in this game if you're not uh, looking carefully. Uh, the game has a fixed camera perspective, uh, which it uses to basically bamboozle you with shortcuts. You know, in, in Dark Souls games, you're like, oh, I've unlocked this elevator, or I've opened this door. Yeah. Uh, this game will be like, hey, there was a path between these trees you didn't fucking know about. Because uh, you didn't happen to push up against the wall over here, but now you know it's there, and it's always been there, and you just missed it, dumbass. Uh, it's that kind of game. The whole game is that kind of puzzle where uh, things present themselves as one way, uh, and then later you learn that, oh, wow, uh, th th here's something that you can get early in the game that completely changes the entire way you, you approach it. So as far as a speedrunning game goes... Uh, or a game that has a lot of eureka moments like that, I highly recommend it. It's also a gorgeous-looking game. It's got a really nice, uh, kind of cartoony, very, like, you know, good-looking art style to it. Uh, so Tunic, might consider checking that out. If you like Zelda, if you like Souls, if you like puzzle games, uh, very kind of simple combat in it. Uh, Death's Door uh, comes to mind as a comparison, which is another game that's kind of hack-and-slashy, but has those... What do we define as a game being Souls-like at a certain point? Uh, to me, it's deliberate combat where you have to be patient. It's a game that has a checkpointing system in a in a what's a seemingly open, connected world. Uh, and that goes for all Souls games. Yeah, and then, yeah, like, I would agree with you. Uh, and then yeah. cryptic storytelling and no hand-holding, I think, is is the really big thing. And that's what... The, basically, it's it's nice to see games like Elden Ring and Tunic come out and basically be like, hey, you know, people play video games, and they've played video games for decades, and they kind of know how a video game works. So maybe it would be interesting to not tell them specifically how this video game works and have them approach it thinking they know everything about video games and have them completely fucking beside themselves when they realize they weren't doing this really simple thing just based on the fact that the game didn't tell them to, that's very interesting um, in video games. Like, something like Eldering not having a quest log is that. Is just like, well, you talked to this person, they told you to go do this thing. It, do we need to write it down for you, or can you remember that if it's important to you? Uh, and the only problem with Eldering is, like, it's fucking 100 hours long, and there's a billion different points of, of interest like that, right? So, Tunic. Pretty cool fucking game. We're running up to an hour here, so we're probably want to wrap this up. I got a couple news stories here. Um, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I have not played. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to getting down to that just for something. You know, Kirby is a, a game that starts really easy and kind of seems like it's for kids, and then by the end of it, you're killing God, uh, and that's that's Kirby for you in a nutshell. Uh, yep. Kind of JRPG esque in that uh, regard. Classic Halo Japanese Infinite game. Season Two launches in May. Oh, Reed, you didn't talk about Halo, uh, the, the TV show. Dude, Next fuck. time. Oh, yeah. Did, did they even release the nope. campaign for that uh, shit? The new yeah. trailer shows off new battle pass rewards, two maps, and a few new modes. Uh, the co-op is not being added. It is skipping this update. Initially, it was planned for this update. It's not ready. Uh, That's the only fucking reason yep. I play that game. It's the only reason I'm keeping it installed is if they get that co-op mode. But the, the second I need, to, I need space on my hard drive, fucking Halo Infinite's gone, buddy. Uh... Max Payne 1 and 2 will get proper remakes made by a, uh, a sub-developer group within Remedy. Uh, Remedy and Rockstar have basically reached an agreement to bring those games as remakes to the PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. If you have not played the original two Max Payne games uh, and you like narrative games, it's, there's more to it than you think. Obviously, the bullet time and action is really fucking cool. Max Payne 3 
although highly rated, I feel is an underrated video game in terms of where we are now in these action games, even compared to Rockstar's own like GTA V and stuff like that. Uh, these games play excellently, and to see them doing a ground-up remake kind of based on that control engine uh, is very exciting. These will be really, really cool. I can't wait to play Max Payne 1 with these upgraded uh, visuals. That being said, there's something to be said about the PS2, an early PS2 game being Max Payne, and, and how it kind of leaves the graphics up to your interpretation, especially because that game kind of flirts with the occult and some horror stuff when you can't quite make out what you're seeing. That's why PS2 is like the kind of ideal era for horror games it's just like those those matte backgrounds with the polygonal graphics uh where your your imagination kind of has to fill in the gaps on what you're looking at that made uh for some of the best vibes uh in terms of trying to go for something creepy uh in my opinion that's just my opinion um e3 2022 mm-hmm. is canceled space swords is totally canceled oh, no. and all other events are pending uh, so yes, E3 will not happen this year, digitally, physically, or otherwise. Uh, of course, GDC just happened. A lot of people getting COVID there. Cool. Uh, PAX East is coming up very shortly in a couple weeks. I'm sure uh, that'll be great. Uh, <laughs> and listen, it's you, you want to return to these physical events? That's fine. Uh, but the, this this fucking thing is not over, man. And the, these will bring thousands of people. Especially a PAX is bringing just anyone. Uh, and their cousin uh, can show up to these fucking events, and uh, people have a different understanding of, of where things are at, and people are getting angry uh, that people are attending these events while maybe knowingly be sick, as we saw with the GDC kind of controversy there, where people are like, yeah, I have the COVID, but I'm just going to go to the party anyways, and not wear a mask, or tell anybody. Uh, that's dangerous, uh, still, to, to a lot of people that, you know, your sense of safety is your own, uh, but when it comes to these these giant thousands of people's yep. events, we gotta fucking still be careful here, man. And uh, Summer Game Festival will take off. Jeff Keighley took a time to uh, to basically like stink finger E3 uh, as they announced they were canceled. He's like, Summer Game Fest is coming up. Not within ten minutes. That motherfucker was on the on the Twitter. Uh, so yeah, no E3. Are we sad? No. Uh, E3 has been waning in the last ten years, definitely. Uh, the the usefulness of an E3 is subject. The best part about E3 is that it brought everybody together and business could be could be handled. In terms of an event that needs to happen for hands-on things or whatever, we don't... It's 2022. We don't need this shit uh, anymore. But I digress. Uh, so, some people have mixed bittersweet feelings about it and would like to see E3 return in the future. I don't think the ESA deserves... E3, I would much rather see uh, something like Jeff Keighley's event become a physical event uh, that kind of does the same, scratches the same itch and gets people to show up. Uh, E3's just been around for so fucking long. It's been going on since 1995 uh, that it became the the mecca, so to speak. It was like, if you're going to go to one event of the year to see everybody shake hands in public uh, and drink beers, uh, E3 was it. So, interesting. Interesting stuff. That being said, all the same streams and shit in summer will just still happen, except they won't be condensed into two fucking days or whatever. It'll be spread out like it was last year and the year previous. So, Reed, uh, the the weekend is young. Here we are on a Saturday morning. Uh, I'm going to get back to exploring the capital uh, in Elden Ring. And uh, I'm going for the clear this weekend, man. I'm going to kill those uh, those shard bearers. We're going to get down to it. There's a part of the map I haven't been to yet. Oh There's my a part God. that's north of the capital there. Um that I have not explored. Yes. I have not been. Uh, otherwise, I've got the rest of it. Yeah, good luck with that fucking <laughs> <Thanks>. boss. <laughs> uh, other than that, I've... Uh, with the... Yeah. It's it's a big game. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. Bang for your buck, man. If you want an adventure RPG at, like that you, you've got the patience for, this, this is... This is going to be hard to beat. Uh, Bethesda should be happy that they're releasing a sci-fi bent game later this year, and not an Elden Scrolls because Elder, Elden Scrolls, Elder Scrolls, as uh, the spotlight's going to be on that game to, you know, offer something uh, that's that's as great in scope as this is. Because <laughs> uh, goddamn. Anyway, at Iceberg Podcast is us on uh, Twitter. Where you can uh, find all the bots talking shit about AEW. Uh, Leah to censor.com. It's my email address. Send us questions, topics. We'll talk about it on the show. We completely blew past uh, April 1st and doing a Venom podcast, but maybe that will be 
done in the future. Maybe we'll just watch Morbius instead. Uh, I'm going to go see Sonic <laughs> 2 tomorrow, so I'll have my thoughts on that <laughs> next episode. Also, the Resident Evil Retrospective, uh, that compilation is available online. I believe Reed will start to upload those uh, big video game talk compilations to his YouTube channel uh, as well. I don't know if you're going to like upload those with gameplay footage or, or just yeah. like a static image or what you're planning to do, but... Probably static sure. image. Just get, the, get those views, you know? <laughs> crank, crank those views. <laughs> if three, just three hours of me playing... How many fucking Bro, hours that, of Cyberpunk the, is that's there? That's the new YouTube like, meta. It's just like, back in the day, it was everything's got to be under 15 minutes. Now it's like, everything's got to be pushing up against 15 hours. Uh, and th- yeah, I'll just re- I'll just record me three hours of playing fucking cyberpunk and yeah, doing a dream dance or whatever, it. just like having sex with a whore. Uh, speaking of cyberpunk, is it worth it to reinstall and play on a next gen console? Probably not, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> Fuck you, cyberpunk. For myself, Lee, and for Reed. Uh, thanks as always for <laughs> signing up, and we'll hopefully talk to you again next week.